Tonight's a great privilege to have Elder John Smith bring the lesson. Uh, I did not give him a topic. I just said, whatever God lays on your heart. Uh, John has been a part of our church for quite a long while. He first served as a deacon and been an elder. He's a good friend and brother, which is true of all of our elders. I'm not picking, singling him out, but he has gone out of his way to say, listen, whatever it is God leads you to do, I've got your back. I like the way he puts that. And uh, God has tremendously touched John in the ways of the natural in the world. He should have been dead about 10 years ago because of various physical issues he's got. But God has sustained him. But one of those things means that he has some trouble sometimes with his lungs and stuff. He's got to clear his throat a lot and that kind of stuff. So you'll hear that. But in between, he's got God's word, and I know he's got a great message. John, come, and whenever you're done, just close however you feel led to, okay? God bless you, John. Well, good evening, everybody. Giving honor to God, our pastor, the elders, the deacons, the deaconess, and all those under the sound of my voice. Thank you for coming out tonight, and I pray and hope that something is said that will challenge you and inspire you. But first of all, for those of you who don't know me or my backstory, which Pastor alluded to, throughout the night you may hear me clearing my throat, coughing or taking a drink and things of that nature. <clears throat> it's not COVID. It's not anything. <laughs> it's not anything contagious. All right. Uh, it's something that I was exposed to while in the Navy. Uh, that has caused this problem. So just pray for me, okay? But I want to start out tonight with a story. It's a story written by a lady by the name of Mary Stevenson. Most of you know the story. It's not a true story, but nevertheless, it um, exemplifies what I want to talk about tonight. And the story goes, One night a man had a dream. He dreamed he was walking along the beach with the Lord. Across the sky flashed scenes from his life. For each scene, he noticed two steps of footprints in the sand. One belonged to him and the other to the Lord. When the last scene of his life flashed before him, he looked back at the footprints in the sand. He noticed that many times along the path of his life, There was only one set of footprints. He also noticed that it happened at the very lowest and saddest times in his life. This really bothered him, and he questioned the Lord about it. He said, Lord, you said that once I decided to follow you, you'd walk with me all the way. But I have noticed that during the most troublesome times in my life, there is only one set of footprints. I don't understand why. When I needed you most, you would leave me. The Lord replied, my precious, precious child, I love you and I would never leave you. During your times of trials and suffering, when you see only one set of footprints, it was then that I carried you. That story was written by a lady by the name of Mary Stevenson. Let us pray. Father God, in the mighty and precious name of Jesus, I pray to God that tonight something will be said or done that would encourage and inspire each and every one of us. We pray, O oh God, that you will speak to me and through me, that you will just continue to guide and direct me, O oh God. 
We pray that you will receive all of the glory, the honor, and praise from this night and this message. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Tonight's message is entitled, Walking with Jesus Will Change Your Life. My scripture reference is 2 Corinthians 5.17. And most of us know what it says. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. In 1969, during the Vietnam War, I joined the United States Navy. I was sent to basic training at the Great Lakes Naval Training Center in Great Lakes, Illinois. <clears throat> Excuse me. I was assigned to a group of 90 men called a company. We were from different areas of the United States, different races, different sizes, different shapes, and different religious affiliations. We had to learn to operate as a unit. We all had our own way of walking, talking, and doing things. But now we were members of the United States Navy. We had to learn to do things the Navy's way. At the end of eight weeks, we had learned to walk as one, which is called marching. We talked a new way. We had to say, yes, sir, no, sir, buy your leave, sir, and all of that good stuff. We even dressed alike. We learned that we needed each other in order to be successful in carrying out our mission. Where one was weak, we came together to help them over the obstacle, or we all had to start the exercise over. It was the hardest eight weeks of my young life, but it made a big difference in my life. I learned that it was not about me or what I wanted. It was about something bigger than me, because now I was a representative of the United States Navy. Now I find myself in the army of the Lord, a Christian. Therefore, my key uh, scripture, which states again, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things passed away. Behold, all things have become new. In Colossians 3, verses 1 through 4, it says, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, while Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Let's look at how others who encountered Jesus experienced a changed life. First, we want to see Peter. Peter was one of Jesus' disciples who were a part of his inner circle. Peter is one of the great stories of a changed life in the Bible. He was arrogant, cocky, and outspoken. He was a fisherman. Fishermen were vile, shabbily dressed, and often used vulgar language. But when Peter began to walk with Jesus, he began to change. Walking with Jesus was like going to boot camp. He was stripped of his worldly ways and became a humble, willing, and obedient servant of the Lord until his death. Peter was the first to call Jesus the son of the living God, the Messiah, 
and that's found in Mark 8, 29, in Luke 9, 20, and Matthew 16, verses 16 through 17. He was the first one to preach on the day of Pentecost after the coming of the Holy Spirit, and he was the first one to proclaim Christ to the Gentiles. It is believed that the gospel of Mark is actually the gospel of Peter because Peter is said to have dictated his time with Jesus to John Mark, who was a companion of his for many of the latter years of his life. Next, we see Paul. Although Paul did not walk with Jesus physically, he spent three years spiritually walking with Jesus. As we all know, Paul was a Greek-speaking Jew from Asia Minor. His trade was tent-making, which he continued to practice after his conversion to Christianity. He was a member of the Pharisees, a religious party that began during the Second Temple period. He spent a great deal of his youth persecuting the Christian movement. Paul was on his way to Damascus when he had a vision that changed his life. Galatians 1 Verse 16 states, God revealed his son to him. Speaking of Paul, Paul stated that he saw the Lord in 1 Corinthians 9 and 1. He went into Arabia, west of Damascus, and then he returned to Damascus, where he remained for three years, receiving revelation from Christ himself. So how do we experience a changed life with Christ? By nature, we are separated from God because of our sins. We were born in sin and shaped in iniquity. But when we accept Jesus Christ into our heart and life, he forgives us of our sin and comes to live within us by his spirit. We now have a personal relationship with God. But like any other relationship, it needs to be nurtured. We nurture it by walking with the one we say we have a relationship with. From the beginning, God had a relationship with Adam and Eve that found them walking in the garden in the cool of the day in Genesis 3 and 8. God wants to walk with us because he works through us. We are God's hand extended to others. But many of us struggle daily with how to really align our steps with his. Here are some ways that we can have a changed life. If we begin with an honest desire. Psalm 63 verses 1 and 2 says, Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you. As in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary. Behold your power and glory. Beholding your power and glory. Our walk with Jesus should begin with a deep yearning. It has been said that each of us has a God-shaped hole in our hearts. We instinctively know that something is missing from our lives. And only Jesus' love can feel it. Recognize that your heart yearns for something beyond itself. And turn to Jesus for the answer. Next, we could try following in his footsteps. John 13, verses 34 and 35 says, A new commandment I give you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, 
you also are to love one another. By this, all people would know that you are my disciple if you have love for one another. Jesus told his disciples and by extension, each one of us to follow his footsteps. He is to be our model for service and selflessness and love lived out in our daily lives. We are to give love to those around us in the same way that he himself loved others. Study his word carefully to see how he did it. Then be fervent in your prayers to find ways to do so yourself. Next, we can obey his commands. First John chapter two, verses three and four says, and by this, we know that we have come to know him. If we keep his commandments, whoever say I know him, but does not keep his commandment is a liar. And the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. By this, we may know that we are in him. Whoever say he abides in him are to walk in the same way in which he walked. Jesus commanded us to love and love our neighbors. This will look different for every individual. But if we are not faithful to do this, then we cannot claim to be guided by his love and his heart. Obedience to what he has told us through his direct commands and through the Bible is the only way we can prove that we are in line with him. We should delight in his word. Psalms 1, 1 and 2. It says, blessed is the man who walked not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the way of the sinner, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. We should be obedient to his commands, but it is the posture of our hearts that that is even more important. It does no good to mark items off a list if we don't truly believe that it is the right thing to do. The Pharisees were legalists in the best and worst sense. Instead, we should find true delight in his words and focus on them throughout our internal lives as guideposts for our actions. Next, we need to walk in the light. First John 1 and 7 says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sins. We could choose to walk down our own path, but that often leads to dark and sinful places. Walking in his light is the only way to ensure that we are not placing ourselves in harm's way. And that we will have the best chance of withstanding temptation. We also need to recognize that God wants us to walk with Jesus. Ephesians 2 and 10 says, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good work, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Jesus is our source of life, and he is also the source of the plans that God has for our lives. When we give our lives to Christ, 
we implicitly acknowledge that God has a purpose for us and we yield our will to his. We determine that our steps will be guided by Jesus and we can believe that he will always walk with us. Next, he is ours from the beginning. Colossians 2 and verse 6 says, Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. As soon as we become believers, Jesus began to walk alongside of us. Obedience in its simplest form is this, that we walk with Jesus wherever he leads. He calls his disciples by saying, follow me. He is saying that same thing to you and me today. Next, we need to cultivate a love for Jesus. In Psalms 119, verse 132 says, Turn to me and be gracious to me, as is your way with those who love your name. As we walk with him, our love for him will grow. A growing love for God is a sure sign that you are molding your life after his precepts and growing closer to his heart. Be deliberate in the way you seek him out. If we are faithful to follow him, he will always make himself known. Seek him wholeheartedly and believe that you will find him. Deuteronomy 4.29 says, But from there you will seek the Lord your God, and you will find him if you search after him with all your heart and with all your soul. Moses stated several times that the Hebrews should seek after God with every part of their being. With what they say and did, their body and strength, with their thoughts, with their mind, with their emotions, their heart, and with the deepest parts of themselves, their soul. When we seek Jesus out with this kind of single-minded attention, we can have every assurance that, he, that we will find him. <laughs> Ten, or the next one is see his example and follow it. In First Peter two twenty one, it says, "For to this you have been called, because also because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example, so that you might follow in his footsteps." The whole reason that Jesus calls us to follow him. Is so that we can take his example to heart. He lived the only sinless human life. And although we would never reach that kind of perfection, we are instructed to give our best efforts to this cause. Surrendering everything to his grace and choosing his plans over ours. We know that walking with Jesus grants us the desires of our heart. And this is found in John 15, verse 17, where it says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Jesus is not our fairy godmother here to grant us wishes, but we will receive whatever we ask of him. If we faithfully walk with him, 
The trick to understanding that mystery is this. As we go cl- grow closer to him, our wants and desires are aligned more closely with his. When this happens, we are really asking for what Jesus wants, and he will always answer those yearnings. I know some days it can feel like you're walking along through life. It can seem like God is not present or with you. Or maybe it feels like he has deserted you in a difficult time. The nation of Israel experienced many moments like this. They cried out to God in the midst of pain and exile. They were honest in their prayers to God. They told him exactly how they felt in the midst of hardship. In turn, God spoke to them through the prophets. He spoke words of comfort and joy. He reminded them of his promise and that his character never changes. While it can sometimes seem like God deserts us, we know from his promises that he is always with us. Through life's longest times or most difficult season, God is right next to us. He walks through every season of life by our side. Not only is he with us, but he also promises to strengthen us and help us in times of difficulty. When we feel like we run out of strength to continue, God will provide his strength for us. God will provide the help we need to keep living in his will. He doesn't promise to give us strength to do whatever we want, but rather he gives us encouragement and empowerment to continue to walk according to his plan for our life. So in seasons of hardship, when we feel like we've run empty, we should learn, we should lean in to God's promise and trust him. We should trust that he will empower us and strengthen us to whatever we're facing. We need to take some time during the remainder of these 21 days of fasting and prayer to pray to God. If he feels distance, ask him to come closer to you. If you feel weak, ask him to strengthen you. He promises to uphold you. So trust in his promises. Continue to build a relationship with God and seek his presence. As you do, you will find a renewed strength as you walk through life with him. I challenge each and every one of us any day. Has it not been worth it? Has he ever failed you? Think about it. I mean, you know. Second Corinthians 517 says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. When we live a life that has been changed by Jesus, your world has been turned upside down. You now love those that hate you. You bless those that persecute you. You say, I'm sorry. You say, I was wrong. You consider others over yourself. You feel their pain, their joy. You want to comfort them when they suffer the loss of a loved one. 
I remember sometimes I, I, I met a guy some years ago. He was a he was a high ranking member in another church of another denomination. And uh, I had basically just got saved and was looking for direction. <laughs> and we were in a bar. And I'm asking about God with this person of this other church. And um, he was telling me about all of these things and how to do this and how to do that. And somehow throughout the conversation, found out that he had seven kids, all by different women. And I asked him about his infidelity and how did that match up. He said that I am what I am. And that's the way it is. And I'm thinking, that don't sound right. (laughs) That just don't make sense. You know? Then I ran into this young lady who had same-sex attractions. And she was a member of another well-known church. And she was, we were in the break room at work, and she was talking about uh, how she was going to go to heaven, and she's going to walk with Jesus, and this, that, and the other. And I'm looking at her. How are you going to do that? You know, the word clearly states that that's not the way you're supposed to be. And again, 2 Corinthians 5, 7. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. I thought about the blind man in the New Testament. He was blind, but when he came and met Jesus, he began to see. The lame man couldn't walk, but when he met Jesus, he got up and walked. People that were deaf couldn't hear, but when they met Jesus, they were able to hear. It says, behold, all things become new. I'm not what I used to be. I'm not what I probably should be. But thank God, I'm much better than what I used to be. You know, so when we put on this mantra of Christianity, it has to come from the heart. The Bible says that we are walking the epistle read of all men. People look at what we do and what we say and determine if they are going to follow our Jesus. It's not about me. It's about something bigger than me. It's the reason why I say if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. That was a time I wouldn't say that. I found another way to say it. I would just, I would either say, if you said uh, something that I said that I said that was wrong, then I said, then I say, I'm just checking to see if you know what I said. You know, but anyway. (laughs) But, you know, I, I mean, my greatest desire now is, you know, we have a balancing act that we have to do with our lives constantly. And it's not my will. 
but his will. And I have to keep reminding myself of that. It's not my will, but it's his will that I have to be doing. I may not like it, or I may not, in my little phantom mind, think that this is the way to do it. But if God says it, that settles it. That's the way it's going to be done. You know, I thank God that I fear no man. You, if Whatever you can think about a person could have done in their lives, I probably have done it. Like, But the scriptures say, even the vilest sinner, God still loves you. He's still calling you. There's nothing that we can do that God sent blood, the blood of Jesus can't cover it. We have to always remember that. And we are not our own. We are representative of something far, far greater than ourselves. So remember that. As we go about our day doing the things that we do, let us always remember that we have a head. Something always over us. We talk about uh, um, Big Brother and they're watching you and this, that, and God has always been watching you. He's always been your big brother. He's got your back. You know, I, I can, like I said, I can, I have just briefly, I've been stabbed six times. I have, uh, I've had prostate cancer. I have a lung disease. I have ulcerative colitis, uh, congenital uh, heart failure. I can just list, you know, things after things after things that is the reason why I shouldn't be here. But this Saturday, I'm going to party hard because I'll be 72. (laughs) And I'm not supposed to be here. You know, when I was a little kid growing up on the south side of Chicago, Our mantra and our thing was to die young and have a beautiful corpse. Because we couldn't think beyond the age of 30. Because nobody lived that long. You were either dead from overdose on drugs, or you got shot in a gang fight, or something dumb would happen to you. That's how I wound up in the Navy. I told my mother she she had a choice. If I get killed out here on these streets... You got to bury me. But if I get killed in the military, they will bury me and give you (laughs) $15,000. So she waved the the eyes and she signed along, you know. (laughs) But I just thank God that I was wise enough to decide that I had to do something better with my life. Because if I had stayed in the streets, I wasn't going to make it. So my life took a whole new direction. I went places while I was in the neighbor all over this world. Places that I would have never seen otherwise. So, and then I wasn't following Christ. But like this word says, he had a plan for you from the foundation of the world. He saw that he was going to call you. He saw that he was going to select you to do something for him. 
So no matter what you went through, all of that is just fluff along the side. Because God has a greater plan for all of us. And you don't know when it's going to be carried out. You can live to be 70, 80, 90 years old. You don't know when God's going to use you and what impact it's going to have on someone else's life. So stay strong. Stay encouraged. Don't give up the fight. You know? When I look back over the years of my life, I can clearly see the times when Jesus carried me. You can too. We just turned the corner on 2023. Just think back over your life. You know, can you say that God is good? Yes, we can. Did any of us know that we would be here tonight? No, we don't. Could any of us leave here tonight? Yes, we can. But because of God's grace, because he has a plan for us, if we continue to walk with him, align ourselves with him, Stay in the word. Stay on your knees. Keep seeking God. Because he has something great for all of us. I believe this year is going to be a new year. A new beginning for all of us. One way or another. Just the fact that we're here. Is a blessing. So. That being said. God is good. And his mercy endures forever. He has been true to his word. And that he would never leave us nor forsake us. If you believe that, then stand to your feet and give God a praise. May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who has loved us and given us eternal encouragement and good hope by grace, Encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good work and word. Now to him who is able to do above and beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. And we all said, Amen. 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 Thank you.